it's looked like to what it looks like now to invite all viable humans to the table. Lo and behold, when you do that, you're going to look around and see diversity. Again, I, I quote Daryl. He gave us those four reasons of the excuses we're making. Incompetence might be one, unconscious bias, <laughs> conscious bias. And he said, or you just don't care. You just and don't I, care. Right? I loved it. I loved it. And I think, uh, you know. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Jade Simmons is a creator of transformational experiences designed to activate audiences into becoming the biggest, boldest version of themselves possible. The world-class concert artist is also the CEO of Jade Media Global, a revolutionary live experience and global content distribution company specializing in 360-degree personal development and strategic transformation. Nicknamed Classical Music's number one maverick and named one of the best keynote speakers of 2019 and 2020, her electrifying, genre-bending, concert adventures spanned Rachmaninoff all the way to rap and include virtuoso storytelling, uncommon thoughts, and boundless inspiration. Today, Jade's experiences not only delight concert audiences, but her dazzling high-impact presentations are fast becoming the go-to fuel for the world's superlative brands and organizations from financial services to biotech to entertainment, education, energy, and beyond. The Equal Opportunity Disruptor was also a surprise independent candidate for president in the 2020 elections. Thank you so much for coming back and here on Diversity Dish. Today, my guest is Jade Simmons. And one of the best things I read about you, Jade, today is that you are not a speaker, but you are an experience. So I am really excited to have you on and have our listeners experience Jade Simmons. How are you, Jade? I'm good. And you pile the pressure on right from the start, huh? <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. I, I I look forward to everything that you have to share. But before we get into all of that, I want you to tell us, what is it that you are most passionate about right now? Purpose. Purpose is my soapbox. I am passionate about making sure I am staying on the highway that is my purpose. I don't believe in lanes. I don't do lanes. I need full highways. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm passionate about helping others unleash purpose. And first of all, redefining it. I think we've gotten it all wrong. And then I'm also very, I'm feeling a burden for the purpose of our nation as well. But purpose is what fuels me and what keeps me up at night right now. I love it. So you, you just said, 
a little bit. You said that you feel that we've gotten it all wrong. How do you yeah. feel that we've gotten it all wrong? I would love to hear that from you. You know, there's a, a statement that I try to make sure I say no matter what stage I'm on. And it's, it's become known as my purpose statement. And it is, it's simple, but it's had profound effects. It is that our purpose is not the thing we do. Our purpose is the thing that happens in others when we do what we do. So our purpose is that breakout that we have. It's that, that effect, that impact. Uh, it's not pent up in our job titles and our roles and all those descriptions. It's much bigger uh, and it's much livelier. I love that. I also heard that as I was trolling you <laughs> on one of your videos that you said that it's the thing that happens in others That's when right. we do what we do. And that is such a profound statement, I think, because mm -hmm. you're right. I think we get stuck with in what we do as the thing that we're supposed to do. And that's the thing that's, right. that's supposed to make the difference, but it's really not. That's the thing no. that makes the difference is what happens in others. And yeah. I love it. I love it. So there's something that I usually talk about, which is the idea that we all don't resonate with all the same people. We, we have different voices, we have different ways of communicating, and so we resonate with different people. And I think a little bit of what you're saying fits into that as well, because I think that it's telling, it's, it's kind of like we affect change in those whom we are here to affect right. change with, right? That's right. I mean, listen, how freeing is that, Sadora, that it's like, our, it's like my grandma used to say, you can't please all the people all the time. And when you take that off and you know that there is, there is a batch of people, and I don't believe in the word small, so it, it can be a compact group of people, it can be the masses, but I, the way I say it is that there are people whose ears are tuned to the frequency of our voices. Yeah. And therefore, if we don't stand up as the original we're designed to be, there are people who are literally missing out because we are hiding. And so uh, you were on the same page there, this understanding, um, you know, and I'm an, I'm a one at all person. I, I want everybody to get something. Uh, but even as a minister, as a coach, I have the clients who got it and ran with it. I have the ones who heard it, thought it was good, but didn't do anything with it. Right. And yep. I have the audiences that leap to their feet because they feel new and I have the audiences that leap to their feet because they thought I was awesome. It's always what I'm going for is that they are standing up because something in them is renewed and different. And so purpose uh, ties into that for me. If I can stay focused on whatever I have decided or discovered, I should say my purpose is, it's like you can do no wrong. You're never in the wrong room. You're never in the wrong place. Right. And it's also that idea that where you are, you're there. And if you stay open, you will be in the right places. If you stay open to the way that life moves or that you, you, you move with life, then you'll be yeah. in those right places. And you can make wrong places have a little bit more right. <laughs> so there's going to come a point, right? Where if you're really understanding purpose powerfully, 
it's gonna it's gonna make you grow eventually you're probably gonna outgrow the spaces you've been in but in that uncomfortable interim right before we get to cross over to whatever next is how much more can i impact the space that i'm in i, I was listening to one of your previous episodes with Daryl Mobley and he said, you know, what's, what's the problem you're trying to solve? And that's basically again, tied into purpose. If we can get super focused on what we were put on this earth to do, the effect we're supposed to have, we can have that effect in the grocery store, at church, at work, at home, uh, the, the possibilities become uh, unlimited. That's right. That's right. I agree with you 100%. The possibilities become unlimited when you when you know mm-hmm. that you can do what you do wherever you go which is one of the things that I also talk about when it comes to helping people with their walk with diversity equity and inclusion mm-hmm. it's it's not about the macro it's usually about the micro it's usually about doing what you can where you are and then however that grows as you stay open, however that grows, being open to that growth and moving in that yeah. purpose, right? In that yeah. in that space. You are, tell us, I'm not going to tell, you tell <laughs> us. <laughs> tell us how it is that someone can be so bold as to say that you are not a speaker, you are an experience. What mm. is it that you do and bring forth? You know, again, you you say you've been trolling me. I've been trolling you. You you have an episode where you're a couple of them that I just really fell in love with. Where you are kind of a love letter to Black women, um, others that are talking about the power we have in the workplace professionally. Listen, if we don't own what it is that we know we do and that we do uniquely, nobody else is going to be able to talk about it like we do. Right. Um, and so one of the things, the reason we can state something as bold as that, first of all, we didn't say it first. <laughs> that came from someone else. Right. And that was the review left from uh, That's right. one of the organizers of an event that I spoke. It was very early in my speaking career before I knew I was going to have a speaking career. And I, that stuck with me. Uh, you know, listen to what is being said about you. It's not all going to be worth uh, digesting, but some of it will hint at something yes. and we began to brand around that whole idea of experience and what we saw is we weren't artificially creating a brand we were finally packaging what was already happening That's uh, right. we did our, our comparative research i sat in on the on the big guys who were getting twice as much as i was getting paid to come in and speak to corporations i sat in on a couple of those presentations and i realized they are not doing a fraction of what happens in my presentation. So Mm. they were coming in because they were big name speaker. Uh, They were mostly speaking about themselves, mostly marketing their products, and they were carrying a canned presentation. Didn't care what audience they were in front of. Mm. Maybe it's because of my background as a concert pianist. There's so much attention to detail, and every composer has his own, his or her own unique way of the way we have to play it. I was customizing the same way when I went into corporations. If I was speaking to Intuit, I knew everything (laughs) about the business. I knew what their stocks were doing that week. I knew what the new initiatives were. Um, I would get on the phone with the corporations and say, who's going to be in this audience? Tell me the demographics. What's What's the split looking like? What's keeping them up at night? And then even though I had signature presentations, 
I would change the way I told the story depending on who was in the audience. I would mm -hmm. decide which stories to swap in and out, which examples to drive home. And lastly, inspiration comes easily for me. It's not, it's something I've had as a gift for as since I was a little girl to make people feel uh, mm -hmm. better, mm -hmm. but I didn't want that to be it. I wanted them to be able to feel better, to be better and to do better. That meant that my presentations now had to have tools in them. I had to give people uh, equipment that they were mm -hmm. gonna leave with and be able to do something better. Lastly, uh, as a concert artist, we covet standing ovations. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier. We just want people to stand up and cheer. Yeah. And I started getting pickier about the standing ovation. I didn't <laughs> want that obligatory one where you stand up because your neighbor stood up. So you're like, I, I guess I better stand up. I didn't want that one. I also decided it was no longer good enough for them to stand up because they thought that I was stunning. I wanted them to stand up because they knew now that they were stunning. Mm. And once we got that, uh, Sadie, we were, we're able to say now within that first 12 minutes, we know where the audience is. We know how to take them where they're going to go. And by the end, we've gotten even bold enough to guarantee standing ovations because we've got our formula down pack and knock on wood, we haven't failed yet. People stand up at the end because they are feeling like something new is about to break out. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I guess I left out music, right? So as a speaker, I was bringing in uh, not only classical music, but my, uh, we call them keynote concert adventures. They go all the way from classical uh, to rap. So in one experience, you're getting inspiration, mindset, strategy, entertainment, uh, and motivation. And so corporations are having a blast and, and so are we. Wow. It sounds amazing <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, that you'll have to invite me to a company yes. <laughs> just to come yes. see you, even though it may not be part of that company. Yeah. Uh, it, it's incredible. So what is it when you go into these companies and you deliver this experience, what is it that you're talking about mostly, most of the time? What is it that you're talking about? Hi, my name is Sadrola Maruska, and I'm a leadership coach. I give business leaders the confidence and tools to have conversations about equity and inclusion to improve culture, increase productivity, and decrease attrition. All this I do through my Leader Builder Coaching Program. If you'd like to know more, please go to diversitydish.com. Well, you'd be happy to know that, you know, I say happy, listen, it's a trendy thing right now, diversity, equity, and inclusion, isn't it? You know, back in 2019, 2018, we had just created a diversity presentation because we sensed this was the next thing that people needed to be discussing. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, 2020 happened. Mm. <laughs> and mm -mm -mm. listen, I go back and forth between whether or not I care how sincere you are about the initiative. I am going mm. to take the opening wherever I find it. And mm -hmm. if you weren't sincere when you invited me, by the end, you will be. And I think <laughs> we talk about it uh, differently. You hear me say we because, you know, I think of my, even though it's only me on stage, uh, the way we prepare in my company, the way they allow me to be able to prepare is, is a huge part of what I do. Uh, mm -hmm. But when I'm talking about diversity, uh, you were starting to hit on it a bit. I don't talk about it from a place of obligation. I love to speak about it from a place of exploration and can we become, okay, you want to talk about unconscious bias. Okay. That's fine. But let's first talk about developing a genuinely 
conscious curiosity in the human beings that are around you? Can we look at what it's looked like to what it looks like now to invite all viable humans to the table? Lo and behold, when you do that, you're going to look around and see diversity. Again, I, I quote Daryl. He gave us those four reasons of the excuses we're making. Incompetence might be one, unconscious bias, <laughs> conscious bias. And he said, or you just don't care. You just and don't I, care. Right? I loved it. I loved it. And I think, uh, you know, we're being, we have the, the quick window of opportunity to be frank about this thing. Um, and to be powerful with it, and also to help uh, shift, let's be honest about it, to shift white people from a place of guilt to ownership. I think that is is going to be huge. So yeah. we speak yeah. on many topics, but diversity and inclusion, as you can imagine, is one of the popular ones right now. Yes, yes, I love it. And when you say, I really love that you said, you know, being curious about the humans around you. So having human curiosity, it's definitely like for me as a, an inclusion, inclusion, equity um, and diversity consultant, I tend to want to put equity and inclusion before diversity all the time, because I think to myself, if you can begin to, to treat people or give people what they need in order to succeed within your organization and include them, which is your human part of, of, of all of this, include them, be curious about what they have to bring to the table, no. then that diversity is just going to come. It will come because people who are from marginalized groups, whatever those groups are, don't want to come into a place that is going to tolerate them. There we go. They want to come into a place that feeds them and where they can yeah. feed. They can, you know, share what they have to share as authentically as they can. We, I speak a lot about diversity of story, diversity of background, diversity of experience. Um, and it's exactly what you just said. I was with uh, QuickBooks into it last week, doing diversity and inclusion. Now, right before the pandemic, I was there to speak on innovation and maverick behavior, right? So I'm blessed that we built a rapport that they trusted me to come back and speak on this topic. And one of the things I said, listen, I feel like you're a company that can handle some blunt blows. Can we just keep it real throughout the entire uh, session? Um, and they said, let's go for it. And what I said is, here's one assumption you need to make that anybody that you might consider a minority does not want to be at the table because they have to be, they want to be at the table because you can't imagine a table without them. Yeah. These are the rooms that we want to go into. And I mentioned controversial programs, right? Affirmative action. You look at the mandates they have in Ireland for uh, making sure you have female leadership in the C-suite. They're mandating it over there. Right. And listen, you can debate on whether or not that's what we want, but they felt like they needed to do it. And so they did it. And the, the truth is, even if there's a benefit to that, the person who was in that room because of the mandate doesn't want to think that's the only reason they're there. They want right. to know they're being valued. So you use one of my least favorite words, which was tolerance. I hated when that I word was. I hate that word. Oh. That word was, who wants to be tolerated? And I always no. say, put it in your most personal terms and it doesn't work. Do you want your spouse to tolerate you? You want, you want, did, you know what? Every, nobody wants to be tolerated. Tolerate, nobody wants it. I, you know, it, I wrote a, a, a blog post about that because mm -hmm. for me, I thought to myself, 
you know, people were saying, oh, you know, tolerance, to-, and I was like, no. tolerance, I'm, I'm a Haitian American. So I mm-hmm. listen to tolerance in English, but I listen to it in, in, in Creole. And mm. I listen to the way that it's used. And I go, that is not a good word. That is not Ooh. what you want because it yeah. comes, it hits so much harder, right? I say when tolerance you, is base level. It's base level diversity, yes. not even 101. That's so right. Gonna, if you're doing a little, if you're doing a little bit good, you go to acceptance. But I think that we as humans can go beyond acceptance to appreciation. And yes. man, what if we can get to value and honor? Ooh, now we're cooking. Now we're <laughs> Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with oil. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We have to, we have to, to grow in those, in the, the words that we use, but in also what we teach, right? When we're teaching tolerance, then people, it's different than when you're teaching, like you said, you know, the valuing and the, and the, 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 the just honoring of the differences that come. And I am a big believer that we don't go to tolerance. We go to everyone is a human, right? Right. Right now, the problem is that their ideas and thought patterns, biases that dehumanize people, people do it unconsciously. What we're Mm -hmm. trying to do, and like you said, is to bring it to the conscious level and to go, so why is it that this bothers you or what makes you feel that this is a problem, right? Bring it to the conscious level so that you can go, oh, no, you know, I want to see this person as a human. I need yeah. to root out these biases that are, that are within me yeah. so that I can treat them as I would treat anyone that right. I see as as a human person, right? And that's the hard work, right? The rooting out, because we all have them. I joke often as a classical musician, all of my best girlfriends in college were um, Asian, most of them Korean, uh, maybe second would be uh, Japanese and then Chinese. And then the other group that I hung with a lot were Eastern European women, mostly Russian and Ukrainian. So when I started my, uh, and they were fabulous pianists. So when I started my concert career, I had this unconscious bias that anybody in the audience who was Asian also played the same music I was playing and they knew all the notes I was missing and they were judging me and Lord, don't let me hear a Russian accent. Then I thought, Oh my God, she thinks my rock off is just trash. And it would, or I'd see a white guy in the front row with glasses and a tie. And I would assume he was the reporter from the local. Uh, <laughs> and I'm tell you what, I would almost always get it wrong. Is it true that many Asian Americans do play classical? Some of them do. And it just so happened that many of them went to school (laughs) with me. So I carried with me that experience that was real, but it wasn't universal. Universal. Right. And I, so the rooting out, um, I think we have to give ourselves some grace about why we have some of the biases we do, but I think it's easier uh, for those of us who are raising kids who are living with other family members who are teachable i'm now looking for the possibility to prevent because Mm -hmm. i know how hard rooting out is so for instance and this may be a controversial example i love to get my nails done and i have friends who take their little girls with them white friends Mm -hmm. black friends 
Hispanic friends who take their little girls since they were like four and five years old to get their nails done. Well, right. I just, I never took my daughter and they would say, well, why? And I said, well, I'm going to take her when she's older. And so I took her for the first time last year it was her seventh birthday. And the reason I waited, Sadie, was because we live in a part of town that there are not a lot of other African-Americans. There are not a lot of Asian-Americans. And she goes to school where a lot of times she's one of only a couple. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't want was her first and only encounter with Vietnamese women to be of them washing her feet and doing her nails. Yes. Now, listen, everybody's not going to come with me on that. It was important that that wasn't her only exposure. Mm-hmm. Once I knew she had had other exposures, then it was okay to take her. And at seven, I could say to her, you know, this nice woman is doing your nails. I didn't want her to think that if you are Vietnamese and female, you do nails. Right. You see what I'm saying? So we were trying to prevent it before the stereotype could become embedded. Yes, absolutely. That's it. And that's a great point that you make. You know, when we're talking about bias, we talk about the human mind processes 11 million bits of information every Mm -hmm. second, every second. So if you consider all those bits of information going in, and without being consciously processed, that's a lot of information that we take in that can shape what we're thinking or how we're feeling about yeah. any particular group of people. Yeah. I, you know, I've told the story before. I often saw when I would see white older men riding motorcycles, I often thought to myself, those people are dangerous to me. Uh-huh. That's right. right. That's right. Then I got married to a white man and his father, while we were married, (laughs) got a motorcycle and and I had to rethink my ideas of of white older men who ride motorcycles, right? Motorcyclists, because I then could see that he was, he was, he rode a motorcycle. He loved his motorcycle. But he also loved his family. He loved yeah. his grandchildren. He loved his children. He loved. And he wasn't he was a secretly fam- a member of some neo Nazi right, right. motorcycle club. That's <laughs> where we're going here, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? And yeah. so, like you said, there are so many biases that we all hold for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of different reasons. A lot of things that we may have gone through, maybe that we haven't gone through, but that we've seen, that we've experienced. Those 11 million bits of information that go in every second we process we haven't processed that they're in there so we have to give ourselves grace like you said we have to give ourselves grace an understanding that we have those biases that's right but what we also have to do is to be aware when they come up why to take a moment To, to be mindful in that moment and go, why, why am I thinking that about this person? That's good. And to, you know, to, 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 to filter, to filter ourselves, right? And what you're saying too is, you know, grace doesn't take us off the hook. It just gives us room, space to ask the hard questions, you know? So yes. when, when I'm having very candid pre-event conversations with some of these corporations about diversity, 
and what the subject is going to be on. And, and I ask very frank questions. I know sometimes yeah. they're like, can we really answer this? But I'm like, if, if I don't know what the real state of things are, yeah. this is just going to be something you check off your list. You're going to do it once a year and it's not going to have any real effect. So I yeah. ask things like, are you guys at the eye rolling stage yet? Are people tired of the phraseology? Are they opting out mentally, even though they're in the room? Are they secretly not wanting to even go to these set? Let me know what the temperature is so I can know how to heat it up or how to cool it down. When yeah. I so one of the things I always ask is, how are your white men feeling? How are they feeling right now? And usually on the diversity call is not the white man. I'm like, what? where's the white guy? Where's he at the table too? Where is he? Uh, because I spent so much time speaking uh, to rooms often full of, of white men and just my mere presence, right? Just walking onto the stage smashes how many ever stereotypes or perceptions right. and, and I'll speak or do whatever I'm going to do. Um, but I think it's powerful to, to, like you said, to have the grace, but to really use the space that we get from the grace to do, to ask the hard questions. Yeah, absolutely. Not off the hook definitely space for tip for thinking processing yeah. make it better yeah, that's it. <laughs> right that's it. and it's not and it's not comfortable right it's something that I that we say all the time it's not comfortable process it can be a very uncomfortable process because it can bring up some things that we didn't even realize were there but that's not a reason to to not do it and that's not that's a reason it. to stop yourself from doing it that's it I just went kickboxing for the first time with my son last night I love it. <laughs> like it. We loved it. So we're going to go back. So we're, we're planning on doing it at least once a week. We can, we're, we're going to sign up so that we can do it as many times during the week as we want. Mm-hmm. But that was a painful experience. <laughs> yeah. Is it one of the ones where you go, you got like a couple minutes of cardio at the beginning, then you yes. have your rounds. Oh, it's my favorite. Yes. But I'll tell you what, that pain is going to pay off. It really right. is going to pay off. Yeah. And that's, and that's my point, right? Yeah. We go, we'll do something like that. We'll feel completely uncomfortable. We'll go, oh my gosh, but it's exhilarating too. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm going to keep working on this and, and make it easier so that it gets easier. Not that I'm never going to make any mistakes, but yeah. that I'm going to go and I'm going to keep getting better at it. And I'm going to keep confronting it. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. That's and it. that's what's needed in terms of equity and inclusion and diversity is showing up and keep doing it even when it becomes uncomfortable even when you know the following day you're in pain and you can't barely get up out of your chair (laughs) you're like did we just say all of that did I just let all that out (laughs) yes you did (laughs) and it's a good thing (laughs) yeah 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 I appreciate that what you're saying so much for sure so you have you have a a book. I do. Audacious I do. prayers. Yes. Tell us a little it's bit broken. about your book, because I love yeah. I love the title. Because nobody Thank ever you. thinks about praying as being audacious or even being oh. a real conversation. Tell me, tell us, I'm tell telling me. you, it's a thing. You know, it's one of those moments. I joked earlier about not believing in lanes. Um, I, I was that kid my entire life that always did, was extra, did 50 different activities, multiple sports, multiple instruments, all the stuff. Mm. And people kept telling me, you've got to pick one thing. 
And I would never listen. And I thank God that I had parents who said, no, we want you to be well-rounded. Now, I come from the generation, I'm 43, so my parents were, my dad was right post-civil rights and, and is a civil rights activist. You know, they went to college, that sort of, but they, they were the ones that still were reeling from a lot of the uh, results of, of racism. And so for them, they pushed us, right, to do what? Jump higher, run faster. So we're the generation, the overachieving generation of black kids who were doing all the things. So that's that, right. That's that right. All the things. We were all the things. And we were also often the only one in a room. Yes. One we of were a lot, a lot of us I were pioneers. Really, yeah. Yeah. We were, we were that. And so that became a part of, um, who I was, I was often the first, the founder or at the forefront or getting in early or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I say all that because it's funny that when it came time to, I knew I needed to write a book. It was the first time I started to put myself in a box and I said, well, it should be a book on music or building a music career because that's what people will receive from me. And a friend of mine who was, who was a self, he helps people self publish said, what else you got? And I said, well, you know, I got this prayer thing. Like I write this prayer journal, but nobody wants to hear the pianist talk about prayer. And he said, Jade, prayer is universal. I'm like, yeah, but you know, everybody's not Christian. They don't. He said, prayer is universal. And you have a way with words. He was like, just write the prayer book. Let's see what we get. And I wrote it. And it's so funny. I, it's funny thinking of it now, Sadie, that I went so traditional. I I thought I'd have to get a book like with the praying hands on the cover and <laughs> not my face. And instead, if people see the cover, it's me screaming on the cover, hair spiked out. Um, and it's about praying as big as the God we believe in. Right. And what happened was I was in these circles where I'd be asked to pray. And then people would go, oh. I don't know, you can pray like that. And I'm like, you don't pray like, that's not how you pray. And I, I kept finding out people didn't pray like that. And so I pray as if God has always known me. He knows where I've been. He knows where I'm going. And as a matter of fact, he gave me the big audacious dreams. So why don't I speak in a way that will help call those things into existence? And I'll tell you, we've been humbled by the impact of that book, um, it's been number one on Amazon a few times. And people, no matter their faith, are reading it. Even people who say, I don't even really believe in God. Right. But there's something about the way you're talking here right. that makes me feel like I'm open to possibility. Now I'm like, well, you don't have to believe in him. He's there anyway, whether you believe in him or not. Uh, so you keep talking, you know. Um, but yes. it's, it's been powerful for me to see the effect of it. And we're planning for a whole other kind of line of audacious uh, themed articles. Uh, and so that book's available. And I'm working on a, finally a new book on purpose, like we talked about. So I'm excited about that. Oh, my goodness. I can't, I can't, I have not read it, but I can't wait to grab it and dig into it because it sounds amazing. And it's true. Everyone, whether we want to believe it or not, we all have a way of praying, yeah. which as you said, doesn't always line up with the traditional way mm -hmm. that we've, that we've been taught or that we've seen prayer put forth. Yeah. So yeah. when you say people are like, you, oh, oh, you can pray like that. It's so <laughs> true. It's like, oh, yeah. really? You can, yeah. you can just pray like that. I mean, I know there are people who will cuss up a storm while they're talking. 
to 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 whatever it is that they believe in, right? But that's because they understand it to be a force that is a friend, a force yeah. that is there for them, right? And yeah. so if that's just how they talk, that's just how they talk. They're not gonna yeah. they're not I, gonna do the, the, the code say, switch. <laughs> yeah, I heard a preacher say, whoever you were before, you still gonna be that after for the most part. No, you know, when, when you come to God, you're pretty much coming in the same way you were. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's funny just because the your wonderful show is themed around diversity. You know, the prayers included are diverse. They're, it's divided into a 31-day devotional. Nice. And it really was intended for visionaries, um, people like myself who struggled with all these ideas and all this vision. And man, I think I need 200 years to carry this yeah. thing out. And, you know, this week I feel awesome, but next week I kind of feel a little down. And how come? I just wanted to find words to explain help us be able to talk our way through each of those ups and downs. Yes. Um, and I also think that the majority of us play, uh, pray and speak in general much smaller than we should be speaking. And so yes. I, I was hunting for the big words that would get us to see what the big possibility is uh, for us up ahead. And that, that was fun, you know, to find the words for that. And, and people will say, you know, the book is only made for a month, but they reread it at different yes. points of the year. And they'll say, it doesn't matter when I pick it up. The days always line up with what I needed on that day. And so I just yes. love that, you know, there's that kind of, you know, divine blessing over the whole thing that it, it works for you no matter when. And, we, and I also recorded an audible version um, on audible so that you can hear me pray it and hear the way that I say it. And hopefully it gets into your spirit and uh, becomes a wonderful exercise for you as well. Right. So that's all part of the purpose, the things that happen to others when you do what you do. So when that's you it. read it, it yourself, people can resonate with your voice and get what they need to get from, from, your, from your writings. I love it. You know, you were, as you're talking about it and saying how people pray very small, mm -hmm. right? They don't pray with big ideas in mind. They pray small. And I think that that's part of our learning around prayer in that, mm -hmm. oh, you shouldn't be too greedy or you shouldn't ask for too much. You should, it should more always be more of a, of a gratitude and of a, you know, as if to say that believing and tapping into what is meant for you is not being grateful that it is even there for yeah. you. That's it. And, and it's not, you know, uh, you, you won't see a prayer in there that says, Father God, I thank you for my Mercedes that's around the corner and my million dollar home. <laughs> not like there's anything wrong with the Mercedes and the million dollar home, right? Right. But my prayer is, Father God, I thank you that everything you have destined for me will come to me. Nothing will block what is due me, that you will repay whatever has been stolen from me. You will redeem whatever time I have lost. That way I leave it. You said it earlier. Can we just leave it open? Who knows what financial prosperity looks like for us through God's right. eyes? I want his version of everything mm -hmm. because I, you know, we think we know what we want, but I really want what I, what he already planted in me to want mm -hmm. because that's a guarantee. See, mm -hmm. that one is a guarantee. Mm -hmm. I'd rather spend my prayer on the stuff that I know is due me 
<laughs> and after what somebody else has. You see what I'm saying? So, right. Um, we, we see it giving a lot of freedom to people. Um, and as, as you are, like you said, you're, you're asking for God to be who he is, right? To be as big as he is in your life. And that makes you grateful. Right. So gratitude yes. begins to spill naturally. Father, I, I don't know what I did to deserve this kind of grace, this kind of healing, this kind of blessing, but I thank you for it. You know, right. so the gratitude becomes default. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You can't, you can't have it without, you know, believing that it's there for you, right. That it's it. meant for you and that you're just tapping into it and you just, there will be gratitude, right? So there doesn't, it doesn't always have to just be, you know, gratitude for the smaller things. It can right. be for the bigger, the bigger picture, the bigger things that you, that you, that you want to have. So mm -hmm. very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Thank you. So is there anything that you would like to bring forth that you would like to talk about that we haven't already touched upon in this conversation? You know, I think we've, we've, man, we've been all around the world and, and back at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's been an exciting um, journey too. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking more and more now about what we were saying about grace. And I think just learning to apply it to ourselves more frequently and with more intention. You know, I, I do have a bone to pick a little bit with you know how you know how we are as humans. We take one good thing and then we run with it over a cliff, right? So self care <laughs> turns into complete slacking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we're not doing nothing. No, we're just going to the spa. That's all we're doing now, right? You know, and um, right. you know, getting your grind on turns into overwork and exhaustion. Yes. Um, and I, I just, I just would love for people now to harness the power of balance. You yes. know, and I, I love what we kind of came upon together that, you know, grace is not, it's not letting yourself off the hook. It's not giving up. It's giving yourself space. And I think in a world that has so much noise right now, so much, <laughs> we, could all so use, much. we could all use a little more silence. And, and I think that's where we get to hear what's next. Um, yeah. So I would just encourage people to take advantage of the grace to give themselves some space to really hear what's next for them and really absorb and feel um, and heal right for yeah. what is coming, what is coming next. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful to talk about gratitude to know that you exist um, and that this work is being done uh, by people like you and, and by people like you with such a powerful and gracious spirit. So just thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. So what do you do? We're just going to ask this. So what do you do to listen, to allow yourself to listen and to be in that space? Is there anything, any particular thing you do? Yeah. You know, um, I have a coaching group and one of the things we do towards the end of the year, uh, one of them is I encourage them to take revelation walks especially in this last quarter of the year. I think the last quarter spiritually has a lot of significance. I think it's a preparation period. I yeah. call it hibernation, yeah. um, where I feel like you get a lot of divine downloads. God's really speaking this time of year to get us ready for next year. But the one thing are these revelation walks. And literally, it's just you walk wherever you can. We have a little kind of man-made pond in our neighborhood. I walk around that. And you just ask one question, like... Um, who am I now? Or 
where do you want me to be? Now, I am speaking, I feel directly to God and saying, look, you made me. I don't want to have to figure this thing out. You got the ownership manual. Manual, just tell me what's up. <laughs> and I'll ask things like, who did you create me to be? This week. This week. Because it really can change. You know that. Who did you create yes. me to be here? And then I'll just shut up and walk. And never fails. The minute I start walking, I get answers. And I know they're answers because I didn't have them before. So they're not, <laughs> they're not me talking to me. I feel like I'm really getting answers. And again, I think it goes back to that silence. So I would encourage people just to try it. Um, one of the ladies in, in the coaching group was uh, agnostic. And she said, okay, I'm going to try all this stuff you're talking about. Let's see how, how it works. And she's now like the biggest proponent of Revelation Walks because she's like, well, something's talking. <laughs> something's talking to me. <laughs> but she's getting answers. And I think, I think we're designed that way by God to find solutions. Um, I think we're also designed to hear from him to give us solutions. Uh, but however you see that path looking like, I believe, you know, the God who created us wants to talk to us and have a relationship with us. So I go on those walks to find out things I wouldn't be able to find out on my own. Um, and it never fails. That is an awesome tool that you yeah. have just shared. Thank you so much for that. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, we've had an amazing conversation. I am so thrilled. But before I let you go on with your day, I have to ask you the question that I ask <laughs> all of my guests at the end of the show, because food is the great connector. So yes. what, Jade, is your favorite dish? I have been stumped. As so, soon as you told me, I'm like thinking the whole time we were talking, <laughs> what are my favorite dishes? So I, I got two because if I give you one of them, I'm going to lose my soul food card, my, my black girl cards. So I got to give him a soul food dish. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. So we eat. Okay. And we have such a wonderful mix of, you know, culture, Gullah culture. Mm -hmm. We're, we're Geechee. Talk about code switching. You can't even understand me when I go back, when I go back home. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you for, in soul food culture, I got to have me some lima beans, lima beans with, well, some people do ham hock. My husband cooks them with like turkey. Uh, oh. It was like the smoked turkey. Oh. But he just, he and my father, I grew up with my father making really great lima beans. That's my soul food stuff. Now, I love it. My bougie is <laughs> all about mussels these days. I love me some mussels. And wherever I travel, I get, I get, uh, I order off the appetizer menu and I'll get a whole bowl of mussels to myself. And when they're in a, just a, I've had them with a really wonderful, like Italian uh, broth, um, kind of little champagne broth with Italian spices. Huh? Yeah. And <laughs> then I will also often order a charcuterie board because I just like my meats and my cheeses. Yes. <laughs> I am so feeling all of it. <laughs> listen, when I am by myself, I treat myself very well when I travel, um, you know, I eat in very nice restaurants and I love, I love the dining experience. So I'm glad we got to talk about food at the Ooh, end. Oh, I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. My son. So this summer I took my son, uh, my son and I went to Germany. So my cousin lives in Germany. So we went to visit him. And, uh, when I told him that we were going to Germany, he was like, Oh, are we going to have good food? I said, yes, we will have good food. Oh. 
Oh. And he's come back and he's talking about the food that we had. So I yes. so understand having yeah. doing that thing it's for yourself. Thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, Jade, thank you so much for being on Diversity Dish. I've had such a good time with you. And I am going to share all of your links, especially to your book and your website, so that people can know how they can have a Jade Simmons experience come to their companies as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Honor to be on. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget, diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.